1: What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and I hope that your holidays, whatever those may be for you, even if this is just a season where you're away from work, I hope that this season has been a blessing for you. Um, You know, I am sitting here, you might hear my youngest in the background, really just trying to reflect and absorb on how great this year has been. And if you're listening to this, I just want to thank you. Right. I want to thank you for whatever it is you've contributed, even if it's just been your time listening to our podcasts or your glancing eyes over a social media post or spending some time on our website, living dash corporate.com. Checking out. Our merch, living corp. uh Living corporate. Shop. Uh, shoot. Giving us five stars on Apple podcast, like whatever it's been. I just want to thank you. You know, Every year doesn't have to be a year of growth. We can look in the market right now and see everybody doesn't always have a great year. You, your year is not guaranteed to be good. And so the fact that I can look back at this year and see all of the, just all of the growth that we've had, you know, I just, I can't do anything else but be thankful. So thank you. I hope that as you prepare for your new year, that you're taking care of yourself. Living Corp is going to be here. Okay. Um, we're going to continue to create content. We don't really take days off. Like our flagship show doesn't. The rest of our shows are kind of seasonal, but we don't, we don't really do that. Like our flagship is always on. And so you're going to continue to hear dope conversations. And look, I'm excited to bring in 2023 with you. Make sure you keep listening to Living Corporate. We'll talk to you soon. Make sure you check out this next conversation. I promise it's fire. Peace. This podcast, Living Corporate, it's brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with the audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place on your terms. Let me tell you something. Y'all might not know this, but Living Corporate We started our whole journey on Squarespace. My website, zacharynun.com, it's on Squarespace. I can't tell you how much I appreciate It's Fluid Engine, the ability to create world-class templates and design. It's very intuitive, incredible. We have custom merch through our Squarespace. We have an incredible asset library, so I can always mix it up, switch and swap. It's super dope. And the fact that you can host all types of content: video, audio, all types of media, you can put all in your Squarespace. I can't recommend it enough. If you want to learn more about Squarespace, check out Squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to Squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Mike Yates, what's up, dog? How you doing? I'm good, I'm good. I'm glad to be back on uh Living Corporate. Hey man, first of all, I got to say it. Thank you so much for for your contributions uh to the Access Point. It feels like that was a long time ago, but it really wasn't, you know.
2: Yeah, I know. It does. <laughs> I missed the Access Point, man. Like i appreciate it though like i i am glad to have had that opportunity it was a it was really fun
1: man look i I enjoyed it um i enjoyed your voice on it i I, and i i mean the content's still there so people are still listening to to those conversations and i still refer people to uh to those to those to your show specifically um look man like we're here i feel like i understand right like your the space that you engage around education but if you were to give it like in a like in a in a in a headline like what would you say your purpose is
2: yeah in a headline the reason why i'm i'm why i do what i do and and why i do it the way that i do it um is because it's not just that learning should look different it's that it has to or else and, and then I can tag a bunch of different things on the back of that. But that's the way I think about it. It's like learning has to like school has to look differently or else. And when I think about uh, black folk, like if we don't create a more meaningful learning experience that's attached to like real career outcomes, then the or else is is different than another community. Like for us, it is like 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 we, we are we are already start starting off. Um, with less resources with less access than everyone else and and so we need a system um, that whether it's our own or not that is responding to that that is giving us what we need um, to both catch up and get ahead you
1: you know to that end right we talk about you know living corporate we're always talking about equity and and just like larger like centering and centering and amplifying historically marginalized folks um in and in and around the workplace and i think about education often um as a part of that it's interesting to me like how when we talk about solving for equity oftentimes the first thing we go to is education like we'll say well um black and brown people need better education or better training then they would be able to yeah. Uh, perform better and then they would be worthy of better experiences like what do you think about that narrative that like black and brown folks are inherently lacking in education um, and
2: as opposed to some, some other problem yeah I mean well in education theory in, you know in, in education circles we call that deficit theory it's a, it's a deficit mindset that people have about black folks like they think that our families don't value education. Our neighborhoods are poor, and that we don't have any good teachers coming out of our community. Um, and and so I think like like I, I think equity the 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 solution to equity based solutions that starts in education, like in the classroom. Um, and the the truth is like it. The truth is that every kid wants to learn. Like, period. Like I heard I heard I saw a video today where this this guy who won teacher of the year, he said the kids, the kids don't want to learn. And my first reaction was like, no, dude, you probably just suck. Like to win teacher of the year, you have to check all the boxes that the other adults tell you to check. But if he were would actually sit down and listen to his students, then he might find out that the way he's communicating doesn't work for half the class. That's why he feels like they don't wanna learn. And so equity in in, in school is, it it really is, it really forces us to challenge everything we know from the ground level so that when you build up to the career world, you have people that think with an equity, a mindset uh, towards equity. So if I'm thinking about equity of voice in my classroom, so like, am I having three students dominate the classroom and all they do is talk, 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 answer questions, lead groups right how can i pull other students in like just that that little basic question that i ask myself helps teach everyone in that classroom not just the content but like how to treat other people so that when you are in a boardroom or running your own startup or when you're manager at mcdonald's or wherever then you're thinking that way as well
1: living corporate is brought to you by rosetta stone the most trusted language learning program it's incredible okay so first off you didn't know Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They have fast language acquisition, meaning you're actually going to pick up the language because it's going to provide an immersive experience for you through their program. Speech recognition gives you a trainer for your accent. Convenient, right? You can use it on your computer. You can use it on your phone. Incredible value. Lifetime membership has all languages for any and all trips or language needs in life. That's lifetime access to 25 language courses Rosetta Stone's offers for 50% off. That's a steal, y'all. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Living Corporate listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your fifty percent off at rosantastone.com backslash today today. You know, it's interesting like this idea around even just like treating people well and like how that ties back into like like education being more than the X's and O's or knowing that uh, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell or whatever. Like it's all it's really about life skills and um and things yeah. like that can sustain you post your public school
2: career. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think like all the, all the, a lot of teachers don't like to hear me say this, but most academics come out in the wash. Like the thing that I tell parents when they freak out about school, was like, look like your kid is going to have enough reps over, over, over the years to learn the basic level of math that they need to know so that they can be successful in the adult world which by the way, is not that much math, um, right? Like we have so much technology that, that does things for us. It is more useful to teach life skills. It is more useful to teach students how to learn, right? Where to find information. It's more useful to find things that students are interested in and wrap those academic skills within that. So like, I, I think back to when I was in high school, like I learned economics. I, I literally learned supply and demand because I was flipping sneakers out of my locker. I was selling candy. I was flipping CDs, like selling burnt mixtapes. And my my high school principal made me turn it from, he told me, he was like, look, this is a hustle right now. You need to turn this into a business. And he gave me the on-ramp to turn my hidden business, flipping stuff out of my locker into an actual business where I had to uh, I had to pay an overhead fee. So I had to I had to pay a tax to the school to operate on this on the campus. I had to hire people, right? And so but like that life skill, building a business, I was pulling in academic subjects without even knowing it, right? Like I had to learn how to balance my own budget. I, I had to bring in all of that advanced math um in, in pursuit of building that business. I had to hone my communication skills, my persuasion skills, right? Like all of that. So I think Life skills education, to me, is far more important than just, like, basic academics. Um, you know, even though I just don't, I, we'll never live in a world where they will, you know, where school systems will let us not teach math. Um, so I, I I normally recommend people just find the most efficient way to get those academics out of the way <laughs> and definitely teach life skills.
1: You know, you're, you're big on, like, teachers being uh, empowered and... How our current school system, public education system, doesn't necessarily empower or set up for success. You know, you're also a black man. I might be. Hold on a second. Oh, can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Did you hear me? Uh oh. Hello? Oh,
2: okay. I, I hear you now.
1: I hear you now. Okay. Good. 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 Okay. I'll, I'll I'll restart the question. So okay, so Mike, like news, you know, for breaking news to folks who don't know, you're a black man. Um, you're a black male teach. You you're a black male teacher. You came. You were in Teach for America. You taught at, um, you know, juvenile detention centers. You've you've had a, a wide array of experiences. Talk to me about how public the public school system uh, does or does not support black teachers specifically black male teachers in the classroom
2: oh yeah i mean i mean the first thing you can do is like just look at the numbers like uh american teachers are overwhelmingly white and female and middle-aged so i mean and the number is like creeping towards 80 percent. i think it's like 79 percent um the when you think about that number um a a white woman (laughs) is in a lot of ways, the polar opposite of a black man. <laughs> um, and, and and But there are often just quite frankly, like cultural, um, cultural differences. And like when I was in the classroom, I can tell you like it was very difficult to be a black man because you are viewed in a specific way. Um, there are a lot of stigmas that are attached to black male educators. One of them is, um, that you're an authoritarian, right? Like if, if any teacher has a problem with the kid, you'll find that without even asking you, they'll send them to your classroom. And you're like, why Why do I, need? and if you're not seen as an authoritarian, you need to be seen as very entertaining. Like there there was this, this great, uh, I forgot who wrote this exactly, but there was this great piece that was written by this um, brilliant black academic, I think from Howard, um, that talked about the downfall of the entertaining Black professor and how students expect Black professors to be more entertaining than their their white counterparts. And so like you experience all those stigma, like all these different stigma, like you're an authoritarian, you should be coaching, um, you should be extremely entertaining, right? All of these things. And then you have, generally speaking, like no support. Like it's very rare. I, I of my whole teaching career, I think I only taught with another Black male educator once one year out of my whole teaching career. So it's very rare for two of us to be in the same building. Um so you often have no support. You often have nobody who you can go to and and vent to. I I just met these three guys um on on uh through TikTok and Twitter that like literally will like vent to each other after three black men working in the same school and they're saying like that's the only way that they're staying sane. So I think the plight of the black male educator, like it's like we are a dying breed, we are a rare breed because it is actually so difficult, um, so difficult to be a teacher in the first place. But then you add all of the all those other layers on top, it makes it more difficult.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I I have some friends um, who are who are also in public education and know the same things that I deal with that other folks that I know. In um, corporate America, deal with as black men, I mean, those things don't stop when you go into education, right? Like this idea of maybe being seen as overly aggressive or angry, or like to your point, yeah. this expectation to perform and entertain. I find that really intriguing. Um, exactly. I, I'd like to. I'd like to hear more about the projects you're working on now. Like, what are you excited about right now?
2: Yeah. So, most about almost two years ago, I I, I was uh, I was building a school. Um, uh, basically software billionaire funded this school project. He wrote us a blank check. And for four years we worked on a school that was like one of the most incredible schools that 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 I've ever seen. Um, and that led me to really thinking about like going back to what we were talking about earlier was going back to equity. It was like, we built this dope school without considering access and equity. And then we're met with this really interesting problem that like we live in Austin. Uh, at the time, I was living in Austin, Texas, and that city was eighty two percent white at the time, so we're like, there actually just ain't no black people here like actually, there's only three percent black in this city, and we all lived in the same neighborhood, so we are like, unless we physically move this school building or start busing kids in, which like that was actually something we couldn't afford, then we felt we felt strapped and so i that I remember sitting in that meeting saying to myself, i'm gonna go work at a national altitude because I felt helpless like we had built this cool thing and we couldn't do we felt like we couldn't do anything so I um I moved I left I went to go uh, work for an organization called the Reinvention Lab, which is where I am now. The Reinvention Lab is like a small startup inside of a large nonprofit. Teach for America is the largest education nonprofit. Black folks feel all kinds of ways about TFA and <laughs> they are right to, cause I do like I was rejected by Teach for America in 2015. Right. So for some of the same ideas that I've now brought into the organization that they're, everybody's embracing. I had a person tell me in San Antonio <laughs> in 2015, that these ideas were crazy and that they would never work. Um, so you know, basically like at the Reinvention Lab, our job is to challenge everything TFA thinks they know about learning and about education and about students and to show the organization a new way of being. Um, so we're doing everything from pop-up experiences to um, like coaching uh, regional teams at Teach for America. Um, and then this body of work that I'm working on is really exciting is we're building a product studio um, inside of TFA where we're basically our job is like over the next 12 months, we're going to build six prototypes that could turn into business models, like viable lines of business for Teach for America, because just like the teacher shortage is stressing the organization for the first time in its history, they're they're forced to look into being and doing things differently. Um, How do you serve communities? How do do you raise up leaders from that community to lead in terms of educational equity and innovation? Um, One of the other things we're doing is we're building a network and specifically the, the intersection, which is actually a small group of people. is people that are innovating, like true innovation in education, that also care about equity. That intersection is who we want to serve. Um, basically put them on. Uh, built a dope sneaker competition uh, <laughs> called the Future of Challenge. <laughs> yeah, that, that is like my, uh, right now that's the thing I'm really proud of. Um, we basically, we, in this network of innovators we have, They told us, they were like, hey, we're heads down, we can't raise money, we're working really hard, but we know that we need to build a marketing and branding presence. And so instead of just giving them a marketing and branding workshop, or or, or paying for them to go like to office hours with somebody, we built a a, a six week design experience where we partnered with the team from the Yeezy brand, that built the Yeezy brand. Um, The the founder of this brand, 99 products has, worked at Nike for 20 years, was the director of innovation um, and footwear at Cole Haan. worked on just like, I, I feel like 70% of shoes that people wear, I feel like he worked on. Jeff Henderson is brilliant. Um, but we got to partner with him, literally just just hit him up on Twitter and uh, we made it happen.
1: That's incredible, man. I mean, one, I, you and I, we talked about this offline, is how just like the education system is the, last i guess like one of the most lagging spaces for innovation and yeah across the board i I think i would be remiss right like not to bring up a few things around one i'd love to hear your thoughts around the this craze of uh crt quote unquote and banning books and things of that nature as well as i mean i meet you with two big things so um this aversion to talking about history in class I mean, or in the school system. And then two, uh, the, the Uvalde shooting, but also, but more than that, just public school safety.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so CRT is interesting, um, especially, so my, 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 my hot take for CRT is that uh, because most, most public school teachers are white women, I don't think that we should ever legislate CRT be taught in the classroom. Nobody's asking for that, but I always say that just in case somebody does. <laughs> um, because I <laughs> quite frankly like I don't trust Becky and Sarah to teach CRT um, even if, even if even or- if that was the ask. Right right, even if that was the ask, I would not trust them. Um I mean really like I I I think a lot of a lot of the scare the fear around critical race theory is just political positioning and fear mongering. Um, e- even if like I, I, when I talk to parents about this, I've been in several parent circles and I've said, "Look, even if you disagree with this theory, like if you think it's wrong, it's actually not a bad thing to teach wrong theories in school, right?" Like I, I asked black parents, "Do you want your children to know that they're?" at one time in this country were people that theorized that you could genetically modify human beings to make a superior race. We call that eugenics. And they're like, well, yeah, that's an important part of the history of the world. They need to know that that theory was disproven. Great, so why is CRT any different? It is a theory that you can apply to a broad number of historical events and present day events. Like, why is it any different? Like, if, if you disagree with it, like, then disprove it, right? Like. You know, find a find a competing theory, and that's your your opportunity to uh, talk to your child and educate your child at home. So I think like when I look at CRT, I just zoom out to all education content, right? Like anything that you disagree with in a curriculum, you have a couple of options. One, the listen like you can pull your kids out of school. Like if if you don't like what they teach in school, pull your kids out of school. The thing that nobody would likes to accept, nobody likes to hear this, but it is true. Public schools are government funded which means that they are the same technically as the DMV and as WIC and as EBT, right? Like we don't like that because we're sending children there. And and I think because we're sending children to these schools, that's why the government should be making every effort to make them as, you know, state government should make those schools as good as possible. You should hire the best teachers you can. You should resource them the best you can because people's children are there. But at the end of the day, like it is just one option. It is the option that the government is choosing to provide for us, which we should actually be thankful for, because there's not public schools in every country. Um, But there are other options. There's there. There are other options at different price points, just like when you go to the grocery store. You can get the store brand. You can get the name brand. You can get the organic one. Like there's different options. Um, One of them is homeschool. One of them is private school. There's independent schools. Right. So I I think with all educational content, there's that. and, and with, um, with school safety, with public school safety, I, I, I will say, <laughs> I'll say this, man, like we both live in Texas and yo, like, I just want Ted Cruz to stop talking. Like I want him to stop speaking out loud. Um, um I, I, I personally just think we need to make it really difficult to get a gun. Like, like we need regular, like, just like you have to renew your, your vehicle's registration. Like you should have to renew your, your gun permit every year with a written and a, and a, some sort of like practical test. Um. And inside of schools, this is like, it's so hard because with public schools, they're already, they already look like prisons. They're already built like fortresses. Like, th- th- schools are already locking the doors, right? Like, I, the only other thing that I'm left with when I think about Ivaldi is, like, this was another situation where it was a young person who was bullied, bullied by their peers, and didn't have an adult in, in, in school to to talk to and to process these feelings. And so I think one thing that we can do that this is, like, super long game because I don't know the, I don't know what to do. Um, practically one thing we can do is like, we can really encourage like, and create academic environments where, where kids support each other because I, I don't, I haven't seen a mass shooter who they caught and they were like, yeah, I know his life was really good. Like he had a lot of friends at school, people, people generally supported. I haven't seen that person yet. And so I think if we, if we learn how to like, if, this is a, going back to something we talked about, like teaching life skills and teaching like humanity, like in school, if you teach people to just freaking be nice to other people, and if we have teachers, like I have heard teachers and gone off on teachers for saying things like, well, they don't pay me to like them. Mm. Like, that's another part of the problem. That's a part of the problem nobody's talking about, because nobody wants to point fingers at teachers. But like, if students don't have a place to go, like... If they don't have a a person to talk to, even like they're there eight hours a day, right? So that you know, the argument like, "Well, go talk to their parents." Well, you don't you don't allow them to be on their phones. So what can they call their mom in your class? No, they can't. So if a kid's being bullied, who are they going to come to? It's either a teacher, a counselor, the principal, and in in a lot of schools, everybody acts like they don't have time, right? So i I think it starts with, I think it starts with those those human interactions, and all of the. The safety and security measures. I mean, we can do a lot, right? Like metal detectors at the doors, one way of entry. We can can do a lot, but I I think until we start being better to each other, um, I I just don't think we'll stop seeing people want to hurt other people for no reason. man yeah i don't even know i have no (laughs) follow-up yeah i receive it i'll tell you the saddest story of my career that was also um it was a wake-up call for our whole school and is where this came from um i had a I, i had a student who used to get in trouble a lot um and i was teaching in a in a in a semi-wealthy, like it was like a middle-class private school. Other thing, if p- people don't know, there are actually like tiers. There's like bands. There are like mega-wealthy private schools. Then there's like regular people who like sacrifice to send their kids to private school. They're, so this was one of those. It was like, so like he wasn't wealthy, but he went to a private school. He he Most of his tuition was scholarship. And um, he was like a troubled kid. That That's what everybody labeled him but he loved coming to my class. Cause I never lectured ever. We did all these discussions. I would let him, he had wild ideas about everything. And I would just, we would just challenge him. Like literally the goal of the class was like, yo, if he says something wild, like somebody else, you have the freedom to bring up an article or some evidence. And so he loved it because he got to debate everything. Um, and I would just sit and talk to him like about all his crazy ideas and tell him like, I think that's crap. That's not true. And he'd tell me, I think, I think your idea is crap. And I, I used to love this. I love seeing this kid. Uh, well, he ended up committing suicide mm. and the, the only I was gone. I I left that school over an issue of, over an issue of race, um, which we is another, we should talk about that later at some point. Oh, uh, but, uh, I, I got a call from the principal of the school and they said, Hey, we just want to let you know this happened. And I asked him, Hey, like, Like, thank you for telling me, but like, why are you letting me know? And he was like, I'm getting there. And he said, he, he wrote a note and in the note, he said, of all the years I spent in school, I only had one teacher that cared. Mm. And he put my name in that note. Mm. And I, I remember being heartbroken thinking to myself, like he could have made a different choice. He could have just rolled up in school with the same gun that he, that he used to end his life. And ended other people's life. Like he could have made a different choice. But the thing that he wrote on his on a note before he left this planet was about the one teacher and the one student at that school that was like actually nice to him. And so when I think when I think about Uvalde, like my heart, like it goes back to that moment. It sinks. Goes back to that moment where it's like, damn. Like if we could just treat each other right. Like if we could just learn to treat each other with respect, then then maybe we wouldn't have this crazy stuff happen.
1: Goodness gracious. Well, Mike, look, um, I appreciate you. I'm thankful for all the work that you're doing. I'm really happy that we had this conversation. You know that you're a friend of the show. Come back anytime. Um, and look, man, um, we need you. So keep doing what you're doing. And I'm excited to continue to to amplify and champion you, um, as you as you continue to build. The next milestone you hit, Make sure you come back to Living Corporate. We can talk about it, bro. I will. Yeah, we, it's coming. It's coming. So I will let you know.
2: <laughs> I will let you know.
1: All right, man. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Peace.
2: Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our
1: logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter,
2: Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.